Welcome everyone to Season 2, Episode 68 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yashpika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we're going to be doing a rewatchable um, kind of episode recap of the 2016-2017 opening weekend game of the Arsenal-Liverpool, where Liverpool actually ended up beating Arsenal 4-3. This is sort of a different type of series we're trying to do, um, more along the lines of because of the coronavirus that's been impacting everyone worldwide and has basically shut down sports for the foreseeable future. We know on the last episode we mentioned that we wouldn't start podcasting again until the until live Premier League action came back again, but for now it looks like it probably won't come back until maybe June or July. And we figured we you know we really like doing this and we wanted to maybe start doing some more narrative episodes, some more featurey episodes. So this is along the lines of some of the new episodes we're trying to do just looking back at some old historic or maybe some memorable games from our memories and we just wanted to put the question out to you guys like um you know if you want to have a QA episode if you have any type of episodes you would want us to address you know with anything about the premier league just please um mention it in a comment and we'll go ahead and get to it i know we have a couple ones planned about maybe get interviewing some people that have been out to england and some have seen some live premier league games from the united states maybe interviewing them and uh, getting an, getting a feel for what their experiences were like and just some other cool episodes, maybe even an origin pod of how we kind of got started as friends and how we thought about starting the premiere pod. So I think that would be pretty fun. But yeah, so crazy time. So that ends up leaving us with a lot of time to do some fun stuff. How about you? How do you feel about this, Tyler? I think this is a good opportunity <laughs> to do this fun stuff because during the regular season, it's very hard to sandwich yeah, these There's too many ideas. games going on. There's too many games, too much information, a lot of news. And it, it seems just out of place at times. It's like, whoa, what's that random episode about? But now, since literally there's no sports at all in the world for three weeks now, it's been a little crazy. I'm just going solely insane in my quarantine house, like quarantine <laughs> lifestyle. <laughs> exactly. Crying, quarantine content for you Quarantine guys. content right here. But I think... This would be a fun way of letting our viewers and fans and listeners also get to know more about us as well. Because, you know, now we're in episode 68. Yeah. I finally get to learn a little bit more about who Yash and Tyler really are and like how this all started. And also just like our thoughts about other things that mm-hmm. are, you know, outside of just main, like regular current events and things like that. So, mm-hmm oh yeah it'll be fun i'm looking forward to it he's looking forward to it i hope you guys are too but to get things started we have we're looking at like i said before the arsenal liverpool game that started off the opening weekend of the 2016 2017 season uh this season is pretty special for me because this is the season that i started i started my freshman year of college with this was the season that i started it with so this one this season always means a lot because it's always pretty memorable because i just remember going through freshman year and also watching this season and seeing the ups and downs of Manchester United season. And this is actually, you know, the year I met Tyler and everything. So it's, it's pretty fun. And it's pretty special, but for these two teams, um, very, very interesting directions that both these teams kind of went after this game. Obviously Liverpool ended up winning the game four three, but to kind of set the scene here, obviously this was the summer after this was the season after the 2016 Euros, um, where pretty much every player was trying to get that blonde hair going. <laughs> uh, 
if you didn't know, Liverpool actually finished runners-up in the Europa League final, losing to Sevilla, I believe. Mm-hmm. And Arsenal um, kind of finished second in the Premier League. They had a chance sort of, I, I guess, midway through the last season in 2015-2016 to maybe have a chance to win the title. But towards the end, they started to sputter. And, you know, not to say that they kind of did the classic Arsenal kind of sputter out, but they kind of did that. They just kind of, you know found ways to lose and find ways to not, you know, take advantage of the season they had. So a lot of people going into the season for Arsenal were a little skeptical of how good they would finish. Liverpool were finally able to get a full summer. Jurgen Klopp was finally able to get a full summer in to implement his style as Liverpool manager. But that is sort of setting the scene in terms of how, you know, both clubs were kind of going at it, you know, heading into this game. Um, I want to first kind of break down the transfers. I know Liverpool, I, I kind of let Tyler take take the road on this one because he is the Liverpool fan. But as uh, we mentioned, as he mentioned before the episode, um, Jurgen Klopp had chances to, had a chance, well, he had his time to basically get rid of all the crap from the, <laughs> the stuff that's accumulated in the club for a couple of years now. Yeah, it's it was the first big summer transfer window under Jurgen Klopp. So it was the start of the Jurgen Klopp era. And for Arsenal, we'll go into that, but it was nearing the end of the Wenger era. So this was a very like prolific game in terms of just like historical events that was happening. It's just like it's basically a turn of of just main events really. So let's talk about those Liverpool transfers out. There's a lot of players that Brandon Rogers brought in that he was hoping would bank bank out and you know become the world class superstar that he envisioned in that Brandon Rogers kind of mind that weird mind he has and a lot of players like Joe Allen who he deemed as the Welsh Pirlo and John Flanagan, Jordan Ibe, those youthful players that had the potential in his eyes to become you know the next Messi and Ronaldo <laughs> and I guess. For Flanagan's sake, it'd be Maldini, something like that. But <laughs> either of them did not plan, uh, did not pan out either. Skirtle, of course, the bald man who did play really well for Liverpool for several seasons. He got the boot during the se- during that summer as well, and Sacco as well. So the main center back pairing got kicked. Well, Sacco was actually pretty good, right? But he just had that failed the drug test or whatever. He failed right? the drug test because he took some fat burners, and that <laughs> was so weird to me. I was just like, why? Because is that? Is that why Klopp never liked him, or was he just he didn't really like him from the get go? I think is because of that, like that he he lost the trust in Klopp when he used those fat murders, so then Klopp just never trusted him and nor played him the rest of the season. And he, I was like thinking, this is probably why our defense is terrible because we're literally not playing our best center back, and then we got rid of him. And luckily, you know, we got replacements, which I'll go into in a sec. But we also lost are two strikers and Balotelli and Benteke in that summer as well. So mm-hmm. literally our main striker was, we didn't really have one. <laughs> yeah, I guess Firmino, Firmino, Firmino transitioned into that, that position because of just the exodus that occurred mm-hmm. of all those transfers. So those main, those names I'd mentioned, those were the main notable exits transfer outs of that season. But the players that came in are hugely notable we got Mane coming in. We got Gino Wijnaldum coming in. Joel Matip came in a free because his, tra- yeah. his contract ran out. A I remember. I remember when you guys like. I remember when you guys signed him. I was like, dang, that's a uh, that's low key pretty good. Like that you guys got him on a pretty free. good one. Yeah, yeah. So I was and like, he okay. was pretty good that season too. He was like, I guess like before Van Dyke was there, he was like, he's pretty good. Yeah, it was him and 
it was Matip and Lovren, and Lovren just was cancer. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes you just gotta sacrifice a few careers to convince the owners to you know spend a lot and get a good quality player. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that brings me to a good transition of the key notable player that came into the season, and that was Loris Karius. <laughs> oh my goodness! Ragnar Klavan, he came in as well, but Loris Karius was a very cheap buy. It was around five million pounds from, I believe, it was Mites, and it was just like it's kind of nowhere. But he got one of like players of the seasons in the Bundesliga the previous season. So everyone was thinking maybe this is a sneaky buy. This is one of those random players that he has the potential to become like a superstar. And that's what Klopp thought. This is like some Brandon Rogers type thinking right here. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, he was like a model, but you know, we got to see how he is as a goalkeeper. And he didn't even take the starting role off of Mingulay immediately. It took a few games for Mingulay to continue to suck. And then, <laughs> and then Boris Karras eventually took over. But this was the start of, I would say, also Klopp implementing just a high-scoring tempo and that ganging press because with these players coming in, they fitted his style a lot better. So then we'd see games like this Arsenal game in the first game of the season where Liverpool were yeah. able to score four goals. You know, of course, we can see it at three. No. <laughs> but sure enough, I, at least I, one. I remember this season because I think... You know, this season was also, I mean, we can get to this a little bit later, but I think this is the season where Jurgen Klopp basically almost beat every top six manager. He beat like Jose, well, he drew against Jose Mourinho, but he beat Pep. He beat, I think he he did decently well against Chelsea, but he beat Tottenham. I mean, he had some really good results against the big sides, but the biggest question mark was how are they going to fix the defense? Um, because this is obviously before Andrew Robertson came in as left back, you know, before Van Dyke was there. So you you still kind of had um, a bit of a makeshift kind of back four. But it seems like with this transfer policy, it seems like they kind of went, they were like, okay, let's fix the attack in midfield first and then focus on defense. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't until, I would say, this is kind of going ahead, but it wasn't really until like the Champions League final and just seeing those numbers of how... Liverpool really didn't really spend too much on their defense. And it was because of the defense why they lost another shot at a trophy. Like after losing the Europa League the season before, and then losing the Champions League the next season after, it's like, all right, we definitely need to start spending some money on some notable players. And, you know, after losing Coutinho, that's when we got Van Dijk. And then after losing the Champions League, that's when we got Ali's son. So we had to sacrifice a few careers there, like, <laughs> like Karius. <laughs> But hey, sure oh. enough, because of that, we got the Champions League. So, Karius' sacrifice was not in vain. <laughs> yeah, and I and I was going to ask, do you think this summer or that summer window, do you think that's been one of the most, do you think that's been the best summer window Liverpool has had in your, I guess, recent, or I guess your history with Liverpool and like the, the times you've watched them? I would say it's, it's up there for at least top, Three. Honestly, it could be number one because of just the notable players. That I, I look at Wijnaldum and Mane. Like that's yeah. that's like your core. Like mm-hmm. that's probably one of your core key elevens right there. Yeah, and yeah. Matip to an extent before Gomez came in. Yeah, and also it's a lot of the players that are on that Liverpool starting eleven right now. This Premier League potentially winning side, which I hope <laughs> they still are, and like the Champions League winning side, they didn't all come through in like one or two chess windows. It took maybe. 
seems like five to six because like Van yeah. Dyke came in one transfer window and then Ali Sun came in another transfer window. Then Jordan Henderson, of course, the captain came like 2011, something crazy, like way, way <laughs> earlier. So, but so that's the point. And then like just certain academy players like Trent Alexander, Ar- yeah, Trent Alexander Arnold. And then Joe Gomez, who was not a part of the academy, but was a youth player that, you know, had the potential. And then Klopp was able to, you know, give him the tutelage to become a, a not a world-class center back pairing with Van Dyke, but also just be a very good partner with Van Dyke and kind of bring mm-hmm. out more Van Dyke and just be very good at complimenting each other. Yeah. Just little things like that. And of course, Salah was in another yeah. transfer window. Do so, you think that, that summer is better, the Salah-Fabinho? <laughs> the window? Fabinho one, that's a little, we're getting a little off from the 2016-17 yeah, year, yeah. <laughs> but, would, but it's a good tangent. But I would say that, transfer window was very much a surprise because like Fabinho came out of nowhere no one saw that coming we just saw all on Twitter just on the, the opening of the transfer window it was like oh we got we got Fabinho guys it's like what <laughs> what source and it's like literally us Liverpool <laughs> <laughs> oh man but um, you know that was a really good successful window for Liverpool but I guess for if you're looking at Arsenal their window was a little bit weird because they're big I guess their biggest signing was Granit Xhaka, a midfielder um, who I believe played for, is it? Much and Gladbach. Yeah, Much and Gladbach. And I remember that season before they bought him, I remember everyone was kind of raving about him. And, you know, you know, he had the passing ability. He had that long shot and everything. So, you know, they were hoping, Arsenal were hoping that, you know, Xhaka was going to be that holding midfielder that they so desperately needed for such a long time because, I mean, they kind of relied on Coughlin to kind of do it, but, you know, he wasn't really getting the job done. So they're hoping Jaka, the big money signing, would would be able to do it. And then obviously they went ahead and, you know, got Rob Holding, who has not really flourished since this moment. Um, you know, he was kind of hoping he was a young center back, hoping they could mold him into something good. Lucas Perez, I mean, what happened to that guy? I mean, that guy <laughs> barely, barely got any playing time for Arsenal, which is sad um, because, you know, we didn't really get to see what he could do. And then finally... Their best center back of all time, Scott Den Mustafi, um, <laughs> was oh brought gosh. in by Arsenal, but he wasn't actually brought in for this game. He, I think, he was bought during the transfer deadline day. Uh, Mustafi wasn't. They were hoping Mustafi was going to be partnering up with Koscielny and becoming a really good center back pairing, but as we all know, that Mustafi, you can't really trust him in any type of games. But interesting, the people that they let go, um, Chesney. Obviously, who is now you know starting goalkeeper for Juventus, and then Nabry, who has turned out to be a very very good player, and then Wilshere, they actually let out on loan to Bournemouth this season. But those are sort of the transfers that happen in this game. But you know, interestingly enough, if we get actually inside the game, if we look at the lineups, Arsenal deployed a lineup, a starting eleven of Czech, Bellerin, Holding, Chambers, Monreal, and then their midfielders were El Neni and Coquelin, and then their um, I guess attacking four was Walcott, Ramsey, Iwobi, and Sanchez. Xhaka came on as a sub, and so did um, Oxlade-Chamberlain. That's a very interesting starting 11 for Arsenal because, I mean, I look at that list, and, um, you know, most of those players I feel like are gone, but, you know, I don't know. It just kind of showed you the times that Arsenal were in, and if you compare that to Liverpool starting 11, which is so much different now, but you had Mignolet, Moreno, Clavon, Lovren, Klein, and then you had the midfield of Lalana, Wijnaldum, and Henderson, and then you had a starting three of Mane, Coutinho, and Firmino. Um, you know, I, I think that starting eleven, it just kind of showed that that um, 
sort of that that blueprint that Klopp was trying to instill with the front three, especially in that midfield, that, hey, this is what's going to be going forward for us for the next couple of seasons. And for Arsenal, when you look at their starting 11, even on that day, it just seemed kind of was like a hodgepodge of players. And it didn't really seem like this was like a core starting 11 that they could use for seasons in the future. I felt like Liverpool had much more of a better structure than Arsenal at this point. Mm-hmm. And... I would say Arsenal, like Arsene Wenger, he was very good back in the early 2000s and mid 2000s for bringing in notable transfers that like no one really knew were going to be like superstars. And he was really good at scouting and finding those players and bringing them into the Arsenal squad. But clearly now during like the end of his time at Arsenal, yeah, he was just let me chuck some players in. Yeah, he's he's kind of losing that that scouting touch because bringing in Mustafi, <laughs> Lucas Perez holding Jaka, El Neni starting. It's literally, it was, it, it was a clear notable change now in retrospect in terms of like just the power between Arsenal and Liverpool where you see this Liverpool side as like, dang, that's where you start to see Mane come through for starting to get this new role at striker and just kind of revolutionize things. While at Arsenal, they're literally getting rid of like a, the starting keeper, who's now the starting keeper for the best team in Italy, and Serge Gnabry, one of the best players in the Bundesliga, and playing yeah. for Bayern Munich. So it's like little things like that where, like Wenger couldn't get the most out of those two players, and also just didn't really see the potential that they had, and mm-hmm. then instead brought in certain players that now you know Lucas Perez, who went to West Ham after just like a season or two, didn't really do too yeah. well there, and I think he's already back in Spain. Yeah, I think so too, actually. And then, of course, we all know about Mustafi and, <laughs> and Jacques and just all those things are happening. But, I mean, even then, Mustafi, I, I thought was going to be a decent transfer because at the time... Yeah, no, I thought too. Like, he was, he was doing pretty well. I believe, what, was he playing Valencia? Yes, he was at Valencia. Yeah. And then, like, during, like, international games for Germany, he's usually really yeah. good at right back. So, I was thinking, I was like, all right, this is, like, a pretty good, like, versatile defender. <laughs> Just turned into a disaster. Yeah, <laughs> he's versatile in the fact that he's not really good at one position. <laughs> I was like, "Holy cow!" And that was like forty million pounds, I believe. So mm, it was yeah, a it wasn't expensive. a cheap buy. And of course, like to echo your uh, comment about Jaka, where like everyone was kind of raving about him. He's like, "All right, this." Yeah, is... I was like, I was like, "Dang, that's a pretty good signing." Yeah, I thought so too at the time, and. It was a little bizarre because, you know, at the time also, since all of us just play FIFA, we just think it's like, all right, this guy's just like good at long shots and like long passes. He has passing, potential. He has potential, but he's like the 50 pace. I don't know how he's going to do that. But... <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you know what's crazy? I was watching the highlights on this on YouTube too, just to kind of get a refresher on the game. It was crazy because I saw Firmino wearing a number 11. I was like, man, this is, you know, it's back in time when Firmino was wearing a number 11. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, obviously he donned that shirt for a while. But it was also interesting that Trent Alexander-Arnold was an unused sub in this game. And I believe, because um, I'm a Manchester United fan, I believe it was the game uh, when United versus Liverpool at Old Trafford this season, or, you know, during that 2016-2017 season. I think Alexander-Arnold got his first start in the Premier League. And he was up against Anthony Martial, and I he did a really good job up against him. Um, and it's crazy to think that even in this season, Klopp saw something in the young defender who is now, you know, obviously gone on to kind of be, I would say, probably one of the best right backs in Europe. 
right now. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, right now in the world. And it's crazy to think that, you know, even in this early age, Klopp saw something in the young right back. I mean, I think that's that kind of shows the genius or it kind of shows that Klopp, you know, really knew what he was doing from the get go. And it just took some time for everything to mold together. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty promising, even when we did see Trent play that season, because Klein, of course, he was a good move from Southampton at the time. And we're all thinking, he's like, all right, we got our, like, we got our, we got our right back for the next few seasons. Like we're set. And then Klein gets in, gets a significant injury for several, like a couple seasons. And then that gives Trent, the start so it got a little lucky there to allow Trent to get some more time in than I think he would have and at at first when he also started playing you know he had so he had flashes I was like all right this guy has potential to be good but I didn't even really see him becoming such the playmaker that he is I was just thinking yeah. he's like all right he's just like a good he's, right back yeah, <laughs> but I, think, I remember he's, he scored like a free kick in the Champions League or something like that he was like the youngest he was like one of the youngest like Liverpool players ever to score in the Champions League with like off his free kick or something like that. I just remember like that like I think that free kick just kind of put him on the map a little bit, a little bit more in the Champions League when he did that. I remember seeing that goal like I don't know if it's that one in particular, but in at UGA, you know, University of Georgia, where we both went to college, there was certain classrooms that were open after like certain times, like maybe six p.m. And uh -huh. low key, you're not supposed to, but you can use their projectors. <laughs> <laughs> so I would go into empty classrooms at times with a couple friends and then just have a stream going on my laptop connected with the HDMI to the projector and then just watch the Champions League game or something like that in a classroom on like a huge projected screen. But never got caught for that. <laughs> but I remember seeing a Trent Alexander-Arnold free kick goal in one of those times where I was in one of those classrooms watching on the projector. So and that was still when I was at UG and now I'm graduated. So it's definitely during the early times of Trent. So I'd say yeah. it might be that one that you're thinking of exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't I can't remember the game or the the name of it. I just remember it was in the Champions League and he just pulled off something pretty special. But I mean, it's it's just crazy because, you know, this is the 2016-2017 season. So what is that? Four years ago? Yeah. yeah. Four years ago, which is crazy because oh. like it's crazy <laughs> how much time is time, how much time has passed by. But, you know, those are the starting 11s. But looking at like the actual game of what happened, I mean, this game was absolutely crazy because within like the first couple minutes, Moreno, Alberto Moreno, Liverpool's left back, gives up a penalty. Um I mean, my goodness, like how long did it take for Klopp to just put Milner as the left back and put Moreno out in like basically purgatory after this game? <laughs> how long did it take him in this season to do that? I think it, it it took till Coutinho left because Moreno was literally there because he oh was Coutinho's gosh. friend. <laughs> so it's <laughs> like So when Coutinho was upset, people were like, Why are you upset? We literally kept your like Samba buddy here just so that to keep you happy. <laughs> He's playing left back. <laughs> So it, it took definitely until Coutinho left. And then once we got Robertson, I instantly was thinking, I was like, all right, thank goodness we got someone. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't expect him to be world-class, but I was just thinking, I was like, all right, that's a step in the right direction. He's going to be like a solid, good player. Like when we saw him at Hull with Maguire. At yeah, which is line. crazy. They were really good. Just this season, whole, like, like whole City had Harry Maguire, Robert Snodgrass, and Andrew Robertson. Yeah, of course they conceded a lot of goals, but it's just like because of the defensive scheme was just off 
completely yeah. off. And I would say those three players in particular just showed individual brilliance at times. They're just like, all right, they're they're definitely players that should be brought back into the Premier League. And yeah. luckily, Klopp is very good at bringing in players that you know the cheap and finding those deals. Sometimes they do go wrong, like Carrius, but some other times it has gone very right, like Robertson. So. Yeah. It, it it took like during these games, like in this game in particular of Arsenal versus Liverpool, Mourinho gave away a penalty because he just completely missed the ball in a slide tackle and just, just Dude, trucked Walcott. And side, I like side note, I, I think Mourinho probably has like the ugliest haircuts of all time. <laughs> his haircuts were ugly. <laughs> like his first one where it was just like, you know, just a part a to the, part? like yeah. the side part. That one was okay. But then but after then that, started... it just kept getting worse. Like yeah. it's playing. <laughs> and then he had the man bun i think at this time too well this is a season everyone had the man bun Firmino had a man bun i think oh yeah and then bale uh, oh yeah bale had and then carius had one too right yes oh my <laughs> the year of the man bun but the man bun that's a dark time for me <laughs> um <laughs> and well what happened in this game was you know walcott gets the penalty he misses and then a couple minutes later, he makes up for it, scores a goal, and then Coutinho basically scores one of the best free kicks I've I've seen. Like I mean, that free kick was amazing. And he basically, on the stroke of the end of halftime, gets a free kick and uh, puts in the top left corner, and from like thirty yards out too. Yeah, it was so far. It was so far away, and I think, um, you know, at, at that point, I didn't really think you know this game was pretty evenly set up. You know, as one one, but my goodness, like. Tyler, when that free kick went in, did you think like, okay, Liverpool could get a draw or you're like, all right, they're going to get a win? I I definitely, whenever I see a goal right at the stroke of halftime, that definitely changes the team talk going into the halftime. Yeah. So I was thinking, I was like, all right, we got some momentum now going into the second half. And Coutinho, it wasn't his first time score from from far out from a yeah. free kick too. Like he, Catinho. Yeah, Catinho right there. He usually <laughs> score from far out and i kind of miss having someone like coutinho being able to rip a long shot every once in a while because like you see those liverpool side now they're a lot more like they don't take as many like long shot risks they're more of like how i saw man city was in 2017 2018 where they went in for just crosses after crosses and like they went for a higher percentage like chances rather than you know the the random long shot every year or there so Mm -hmm. we don't waste as many chances but you know, Coutinho, whenever he did score those long shots, they were, like, insane. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was good times. It's just, like, every time would just get you off your seat. And that goal in the Arsenal game definitely made me scream. And <laughs> you, I, you in dorm, dorm, right? I was in my dorm watching it. And I was like, holy crap. I was watching it with the, with the friend who's an Arsenal fan. And I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, oh, no. And, of course, you know, being oh, an no. Arsenal fan, he was just, like, very pessimistic. He's just like, all right, well. That's it for us. <laughs> it was a good like thirty minutes of uh, you know, Arsenal looking like they can get the dub, and then never mind. And then, sure enough, Liverpool in the second half just go ham. Man, I I think Coutinho probably had like one of his best games ever. I mean, he had a he had another goal, I believe, and an assist, and he set up Lallana's goal. Um, Mane gets like an absolute. All right, the the I I obviously the Coutinho goal is very memorable, but. For me, the one goal that always sticks out in my head for this game is the Mane goal because it was his debut game for Liverpool. He's on the right side. He just starts running, runs past defenders, and just like basically curls in a left shot, a left-footed shot, and it was just an absolute screamer. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I I was just thinking in my head, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is literally 
this player is like so good. I remember I was so jealous when Liverpool signed him because the season before, I mean, everyone kind of saw the potential he had at Southampton. You didn't even really need to be that big of a Premier League fan to notice him. I mean, he was so good. And I was really hoping United could sign him or get him. And like when Liverpool got him, I was sad. And I mean, he's just turned out to be such a great player. But that goal in particular just always sticks out to me because I was like, I remember watching it and I was just, my reaction was like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. <laughs> it was also kind of out of place because when you think of Sadio Mane, he's, you know, he's a right-footed player. And then for him to do something like that, where it's like, you couldn't even tell he was a right-footed player with that goal. And yeah. for him to do that during his debut, it was definitely a statement where it's like, all right, we got, we got a sugar, like fire player because in the previous seasons before that Liverpool were also very prone to buying Southampton players such mm-hmm. as like Dejan Lovren, Adam Ricky Lallana, Lambert. Ricky Lambert, and all these players were like record fees at the time because before the Man City, PSG, Barcelona, Real Madrid, like all those big team inflations where like players are being bought for like a hundred million before, like thirty million pounds was a lot. Like when we yeah. saw Luke Shaw get bought from Southampton to Manchester United for thirty million, we're all thinking like, holy crap, that's like. That's some Ronaldo level money right there. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's who do you true. think they got? It's it's it was crazy. And then for Liverpool to do that like every single season, where it, it seems like every time a Southampton player scored on Liverpool, they would buy that player the next season so that they couldn't get scored on again from that player. <laughs> so we see like Lallana scoring. I was like, all right, we got Lallana. It's like Dejan Lovren scores. Like, all right, we got Dejan Lovren. And then Mane scores, and then we finally get him. And then eventually. We took all the Southampton players that are good. <laughs> now Southampton, we're now in the, a bit of the runs now. <laughs> but Mane, he was like a player who got the fastest Premier League hat trick at the time. Yeah, too, I remember that too. I think it was like two, yeah, I remember that game. It was like 90 seconds or something. Like one minute, 34 crazy. seconds. It was insane. Was was Aston Villa were absolute garbage too that season. <laughs> yeah. Again. <laughs> it was... It was crazy. I didn't expect Mane to be that crazy because 30 million pounds for Mane, you know, it was just like dude, a good player. It was, we were, I, I knew like, Mane was going to be good. I was like, this dude, I, I don't know. I he Whenever he got the ball for Southampton, he would always just do something exciting. He was just very capable of like doing something out of the ordinary. Yeah, he's not a very play. conventional player in terms of like just how he plays. Like a lot of stuff <laughs> he does, it's just like his body faints and like his how he contorts his body sometimes to get the shot off is just so bizarre at times, but then like it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, how do you, it's like, that was kind of some weird technique, but it, it kind of worked. And he scored. So, I mean, no, there you go. It, it, <laughs> no, it, it works. I was super excited that, I don't know. I was very sad that you guys got Mane, but I was like, dang, kind of like, if you look at Manchester United, they spent like, like upwards of like, I don't know how much Henrik Mkhitaryan was, but I thought him, what Henrik, I I thought, what Sadio Mane was, I thought Henrik Mkhitaryan was going to be when they bought him from uh, Dortmund. I thought, okay, they don't play similar, but you know he's going to be scoring goals. He's going to be creating a lot. And unfortunately, Mkhitaryan just kind of flopped, and Mane flourished, you know, at Liverpool, mm-hmm. which was sad for me. <laughs> I think it also had to do with like the systems they came into as well, because Klopp and also, Mourinho. Like, yeah, Mourinho. <laughs> if you're an attacking yeah, player, Mar- you're yeah. Ripperoni. You didn't really have to say anything. You just said Mourinho, and we just kind of like. Eh. I think at this point, our listeners would also <laughs> get that vibe too. Whenever we say yeah. that, but definitely oh. because of Klopp's just like ganging press and just 
the the fact that how Mane does track back and you know if he loses the ball he always tries to win it back like even now that's like one of the notable things that I don't really think people point out as much but like just little things like that it really plays into his style and really allowed him to grow into become like literally the African player of the year that he is now no he's great um but I wanted to pose this question because I remember this season obviously Coutinho was still very very good and he was still probably like a really, really good player that was wanted by a lot of people. But I honestly felt like this season, and I kept saying this, I think I mentioned it to you, like, at this year, you know, when, like, this year was happening, um, whenever we were eating food or anything. Because um, I remember there was times where Mane was, would be out for stretches of the season because of, I think, hamstring issues or something like that. Um, I just kept saying to myself, like, man, this Liverpool team doesn't seem to tick when Mane isn't playing. You know, obviously they, you know, Coutinho can still pull off the spectacular, but overall, I think they played better when Mane was playing alongside Coutinho. I think they got hindered a little bit when Coutinho was just by himself without Mane. And then when Coutinho was out, I felt like Liverpool could still create stuff with Mane. And I really felt like this season, you kind of saw, I don't know, me personally, looking on the outside, I felt like they were kind of going away from just relying on Philip Coutinho to do everything. And they finally found some playmakers to carry the load from him is that how you felt too this season or during that season for me i always felt like whenever coutinho did play or like didn't play he was like the main focal point where when he was mm-hmm. playing left wing everyone was saying he's like man he's not even in like the right position because everyone wanted coutinho to play at cam like center attacking mid right behind the striker so he can create chances and you know rip a long shot from anywhere in the midfield but because of just the depth the Liverpool, the lack of depth Liverpool had, and just also the certain players they did have at the time, where we just had a plethora of cams, where it was like Adam Lallana, Gini Wijnaldum, but then we look at left wing is like literally just Coutinho. He's not even a left wing, <laughs> so it's like we had a plethora of that. So we we moved Coutinho there, and you know, he did really well because like a signature shot literally is just him cutting in and then taking yeah. a finesse shot. He's like an Aaron Robin, <laughs> but then the other side with the other foot. But I felt like when Mane did play during that season, he did make an impact, but it wasn't as noticeable as like Coutinho, where like when Coutinho wasn't there, there would be times where it was like, man, I really miss Coutinho. Mm-hmm. And there, there are also other times where we heavily relied on Coutinho, where it's like, all right, he's literally going to be the one who makes the majority of the chances and also, also would probably get the goal as well. Because Firmino, Firmino at that time was also still trying to get into that striking role where he was going to allowing or getting everyone used to the fact that he's not really that main like target man finisher he's more of a striker that would sit like a little deeper in the midfield and then come up for like a tap in or create a chance for the wingers so i think it was also the start of that so it was like a little bit of a transition that not everyone was really used to because it was just kind of different where you don't usually see a striker like that or formation like that and players utilize like that but Coutinho was definitely a player that was integrated in Liverpool for a long time, and everyone knows how to play around him. And he was still a really good player before leaving Liverpool because he was trying to make low key trying to make a move to Barcelona, and he eventually <laughs> did do that. But like the more he showed out, that's when really I think during his last seasons when he was like for sure leaving, like that's yeah. when he played his best. Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, you know, again, I was, you know, I'm kind of looking at it like an outsider perspective, but obviously you are the Liverpool fan, so you knew the ins and outs of that team. But I 
quickly wanted to mention this about this team. Um, gosh, the, the thought is like fading away. Um, crap, what was it? It was something about it was something about this team that oh, it was about the striking position. I remember I would keep saying I kind of thought in the back of my head because I wasn't too. I didn't know. I didn't really know how I felt about Firmino playing as a as the number one striker. Just because, like at that time, he was still trying to learn the position. I was just thinking, I was like, man, what if, what if that Liverpool team had, you know, an Aguero, or what if they had, you know, Harry Kane, or what if they had, you know, a, a top striker like that? I wonder how, how many more goals they would score, how much more better like they could be. Um, just because at that time I wasn't too sure about Firmino's place in terms of how good he can really perform as a striker. But obviously now he's gone off to do better things but i always thought in the back of my head it's like what if they actually had a striker there but i mean we did have a striker we had daniel sturridge and that's yeah but that was like yeah but i i I never really i don't know to me like jürgen i always felt like jürgen klopp never really trusted sturridge just because of his injury issues and maybe Mm -hmm. um his style of pressing i don't know if like his like sturridge's fitness levels could handle you know, doing oh, definitely the not. constant work. Yeah. <laughs> the constant work rate. So that's why I think he opted for Firmino, who would always be willing to give his all no matter what. But I think this game, what really kind of made it memorable for me was if you really think about it, it kind of marked the opposite directions that both these clubs went after this game, or basically the seasons after this. Because you had Arsenal who at the time were kind of finishing in the top four consistently, you know, they were getting in there and then you had Liverpool who were at the time, you know, maybe outside the top four, getting in the close to the top four, but never consistently getting there. And then after this game and just the seasons after this, it's been a total switch where Liverpool are, you know, basically fighting for the title and finishing top four consistently. And then you have Arsenal who are literally trying their hardest to get in the top four now and are basically finishing in 10th, 8th, 6th fifth positions and really it was a downward spiral of Arsene Wenger and the upward spiral of Jurgen Klopp so I think that's just really remarkable when you look at it those the polar directions that both these clubs went into after this game Mm -hmm. and that's something we kind of alluded to at the beginning where it's just like the changing of the eras between yeah changing the guard almost yeah and it's it's ironic enough where Arsenal who usually were known for finishing fourth in the Premier League yeah, did not get fourth because Liverpool took fourth. They haven't, they haven't finished in the top four since the 2015-16 season, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and it's crazy because Liverpool literally, I think, after the 15-16, have finished in the top four since then. Yeah, so when Liverpool finally got in the Champions League, I remember that last game of the season too, where it was oh like they needed that game right. We needed yeah. to win three zero. Brad Guzan was in goal for Middlesbrough. I was like, Brad. Ooh. Please suck. <laughs> like Middlesbrough was already terrible that season. I was like, we just got to win. And then Liverpool won 3-0. I was like, yes. Genie Wanda scored. I was like, yes. Who I is, think Lallana scored as well. You Because you guys finished in fourth place, right? Mm-hmm. Who is it, who's fighting for that fourth place spot? Because I know United were pretty much locked in at six. Was it Arsenal? I think it was Arsenal. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just remember how important finishing the Champions League was for Liverpool that season because they needed that next step for Klopp just so they can attract, you know, the better players. And, you know, they ended up buying Salah that next season. But yeah, because like you said, it was just a complete opposite direction of both these clubs. Yeah. 
And and then that's a very good point they also brought up too, where we need to get back in the Champions League. And it was a little surprising to even get certain players like Sadio Mane, Gini Wijnaldum without Champions League football. So that's also like sort of the magic of Jurgen Klopp as well, where it's like he has that kind of character where if, you know, maybe if there's not Champions League to play at the time, then maybe it'd be a good opportunity for certain players to just play under Jurgen Klopp and become like at the potential and fulfill their potential because when you saw him as the Dortmund manager, you saw players like Royce, Gertze, Hummels, just Lewandowski. Yeah, Lewandowski just literally go off. And then mm-hmm. for him to go to Liverpool and just start to see that potential and Coutinho already and then Firmino Firmino was on the rise as well. And just other players just coming in like that, I think that also helped attract players even when we didn't even have Champions League. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think what's crazy, if you look at Arsenal, it was the beginning of the toxic atmosphere at the Emirates. Uh, Arsene Wenger was starting to lose his way with the fans. His starting 11 was kind of all over the place all the time. Uh, there was really no consistency. Mesut Ozil started to dip in form a little bit. Alexis Sanchez, you know, you started to see the beginning of the end for him in his Arsenal tenure. And... It's just quite shocking to see, if you look back at this game, just how far Arsenal have gone away from being perennial, you know, perennial champions and just being title contenders and top four people, top four participants in the Champions League. And then you see Liverpool, who have just gone on to do better things. But really, I, I that's why for me this game is very memorable, just because of, for for a couple reasons, just because it was my freshman year of college. So obviously anything in that time was pretty memorable, Mm -hmm. but also my my sophomore year. (laughs) Yeah. Tyler's sophomore year. But yeah, I think it's because of that. And just, just seeing, I don't know, in eyes, just seeing like, this was the start of Jurgen Klopp's actual tenure. Like this is what I officially call like his, you know, his actual start as Liverpool manager. Mm -hmm. And not just using Brandon Rogers. Exactly. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So I mean that's that's for me like why why Tyler why do you feel like this game is memorable for you? I just remember watching it in my dorm with like just a couple <laughs> friends and just just going off <laughs> when Mane scored. I remember just I when you watch games with me and Yash in particular, we're we're pretty loud so like to the point where at <laughs> we'll times out of places. we might be kicked out of particularly dorms. <laughs> <laughs> Our uh, was it? All right, the DA. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Desk or, assistant. No, not desk assistant. It's the... Uh, it's RHA, director. right? RHA, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, something like that. Basically, the person in charge of like a lot of dorms who usually would have her office in our dorm that we lived in. Yeah. Uh, we, we've had a few warnings. And the point where it's like, <laughs> all right, like you're about a... to be kicked out like for good. It's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Come back a week later, screaming the same thing. Mm-hmm. And since this was the opening game of the season as well, I was just like waiting for Premier League football for a while. And then for Liverpool to have a game like this, 4-3, like usually don't see games like this all the time. So I was just going off. And I remember just screaming. <laughs> yeah. And also, it-, it was also the start of just like just seeing wins because under Brandon Rodgers, it was very inconsistent. And then under other managers before him, like Kenny Dalglish or Hodgson, it was literally just like, oh, we'll get what we get. <laughs> we'll get what we can take. Yeah, now now it's actually like, all right, we're going to a game, we're going to win it. And mm-hmm. I think that's the mentality you started to see. Exactly. But, um, 
like we said, this is a this this type of episode is something we're trying to do more of now because the sports, you know, basically being suspended for, you know, kind of up until now, you know, it's kind of being suspended until further notice. So we're trying to do more of like these narrative cool um, cool episodes. Um, this is our first of our kind of our rewatchable series a little bit. We're going to try to pick out more games in the future, but we'll have other other kind of episode narrative or episode, you know, topics uh, next week in the future. But please remember to give us a rate and uh, please make sure to rate, comment, subscribe. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. And also leave comments on what you would like us to actually do in the future and if there's a some questions you guys have for just us personally we'll be happy to do like a q a episode too um we're here for it we're here to basically do anything during this quarantine period so yeah that kind of does it for us for episode 68 thank you guys so much for listening peace peace